You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. Where we unpack what is new and innovative in education. I'm your host, Caroline, and today we're talking with Don Wetrick. Don's father was a teacher, and after attempting career number one, he decided to go back and follow in his father's footsteps and become a teacher. He found that he enjoyed growing things and becoming entrepreneurial. After watching Dan Pink's 2009 TED Talk on motivation, he knew similar principles could be utilized in the classroom and has applied that to his own teaching methods. Don doesn't believe that every student should become an entrepreneur, but he does believe that they should all think like one. They should be able to think critically, reframe problems, and collaborate. And that's what led him to start Startup Ed Foundation. Let's listen in as Don talks to Tom about what students should be learning and future plans for the foundation. Don Wetrick, welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's good to join you. Why did you become a teacher? <laughs> I think the better question is like, I told myself I wasn't and I did. So my, my dad's a teacher. Uh, my mom's a stay-at-home mom, but that makes her a teacher. My sister was a teacher. Uh, the last thing I thought I'd do was that. But I... Um, in my first career, I just going, I don't know, I kept going to bed at night and saying, what am I doing? How am I moving the needle? I just wasn't satisfied with it. So I guess some of it was just genetics took over um, that the, the family way. And quite frankly, I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to be like my dad. Um, and my dad was like, yeah, our, our family, our summers as a family were so influential that I think deep downside, I just wanted to do a redo of my childhood. So you, you went to IUPUI and got a teaching degree. Yeah, uh, I went to yeah, a, I went to Ball State middle first. English teacher, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So you're teaching middle school English. When did your fascination with innovation occur? Yeah, actually, it it occurred by the way I was teaching. So after I I took a kind of a unique position after I taught middle school for a number of years, and I took basically a broadcasting class. Essentially, what they did is, is that they did the school announcements. And I was like, you know, let's grow this. And so I took a one year class and I turned it into a four year program. And we went from doing the intro and basics to eventually running the cable access channel and doing documentary films and then doing a statewide film fest. So I just liked grow things and being entrepreneurial. Um, but then I, my other origin is though I, I watched Dan Pink's TED Talk eight years ago and how he described how successful companies are ran and what motivates them. I thought, man, why aren't we doing that in our schools? And so there was no term genius hour yet, but the, what he described was kind of the 20% time models we now know. And I asked my students like, hey, we should, we should start this. Like when? I'm like, oh, it's Friday. And uh, that was the start of a very rocky and interesting journey. For the last uh, almost six years, you've taught at uh, Noblesville, just north of, um, of Indianapolis. Uh, tell us about the innovation program that you've been running there. Yeah, the, the class is called Innovation and Open Source Learning. And it's just that for the first seven-ish weeks, we teach you how to think to your, how to think for yourself, how to have the employer mindset, not the employee mindset, how to look for opportunities, how to reframe problems, how to brainstorm, how to truly collaborate and not just with the parent share kind of thing. Um, we also took social media very seriously, why high school students should be on LinkedIn and how and why you should create your own brand and be known for something positive. Uh, and then the rest of the year is open source learning. So 
you know, because you can think for yourself, because you're looking at, at solving interesting problems, you're wanting to be entrepreneurial, um, that building of a network comes a lot easier. Because especially on LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, uh, I think, a lot of, usually more helpful people that when they see a 16 year old that's trying to help or trying to make a difference, you can build a network pretty darn fast. And so, you know, I encourage the students to take that very seriously. And the open source learning part of it is, is that they, you know, some students says I want to develop an app and use Python. Well, I don't do that, but we can look at our network and start, you can start learning from your, from your, um, you know, network. So you've taught, uh, how long? 20 years? Yeah, I think this is my 21st. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Don, you're a, a few days from uh, your last day as a public school teacher. So uh, yeah, thank you for, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for that career. Yeah, uh, it's bittersweet. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the foundation more, but there was a, a unique proposition and, and something to, to grow. And so uh, I'm still going to be in education, just not in the same building every day. Right. Um, so you, about a year ago, you had the, uh, you took the initiative to, uh, to create the startup ed, uh, foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. The started up foundation was basically there to, in some cases, foster the entrepreneurial mindset with students. And honestly, it was it was helped out quite a bit um, by the state and the Indiana Economic Development Corporation. Uh, they had sponsored a, a pitch competition and uh, they kept noticing that uh, one, some of their finalists always kept coming from our class. And two, um, we had done some interesting work in the past with I hate to use the word influencers, but, you know, with other, you know, uh, entrepreneurial influencers. So they asked us to um, take the finalists and work with them over a summer, you know, give them a travel experience, have them work with some all stars um, and then kind of blow that out. Uh, now we do monthly uh, meetups and, and nights where we have our students literally solve interesting problems. And then we fund those solutions for small other small nonprofits. Um, but it just it's it's growing literally by the month uh, because we felt that it's been hard and I, I and I'm literally talking to the kingpin on this. It is hard to change schools quickly. Now they will over time possibly, um, but we felt a lot of urgency. So that's why we started partnering up with um, either local tech hubs or uh, most notoriously co working spaces. So when we you know when we bring these high school kids together from various schools. They can come together and network, work with each other, um, and like I said, work on problems that are real, not just conceptual. So what's the uh, program of work going to be at Started Up Foundation? You're, you're going to run these student innovation nights? Yeah, well, and <laughs> yes, and, and in some cases, you know, franchise them out more or less. Uh, we, we've, we're now in six different cities. And that's been one of the tougher things. I mean, we have to find a local champion. We have to start, you know, looking at how it's housed. Um, but basically, we have nine events on the on the year. We can't do one around Christmas. And obviously, over the summer break, it's we're looking into that. But we do those events. But then we also um, have a pipeline of uh, basically um, internship opportunities, uh, skill development and boot camps. Um, I hate to say all, a lot of the things that they're not providing in our public schools, but 
<laughs> a lot of things that we're not providing in our public schools, even super practical things like, you know, like, well, I shouldn't give, well, we were in negotiations with someplace. There, there are some companies that would love to have a talent pipeline of students and practical things that they could do now. And they don't necessarily have to go to college for, there's a lot right. of certifications and there's a lot of opportunities for students to make great money and not have to go to traditional four year. And not that I don't think traditional four year is great for some things, but not all things. Are you contemplating a, an incubator? Well, essentially that's what we have um, with, with this finalist. So again, the, the, the state competition is called innovate within I N being capitalized for Indiana. Um, and the finalist, you know, obviously they have one winner. It's a pretty good price package. It's it's ten thousand in cash and another ten in, in uh, um, educational um, help. But uh, yeah, the finalists in general, we we get to work with them over the summer. You know, we walk them through. You know, not only just starting your LLC, but to contemplate what you're going to need for accounting. How do you pivot? How do you grow? Um, we even take a, a, a an immersion trip. Last year was to New York City which was amazing. We got to have an event at Atlantic Records. I got to spend half day with Seth Godin. It was nuts. Um, but within that travel experience also gives them an opportunity to expand their network and also see how other people work and how they operate. Do you anticipate doing that not only uh, locally there in, in Indianapolis, but through a set of partner organizations nationally? Yeah, we had kind of an agreement that our first four locations would be in the state. But now that we've already hit those four, we're starting to expand out. So um, our next city is uh, San Antonio. And then, well, I can't really. <laughs> we have a couple of cities that they're almost a done uh, thing, but we're, we're working out some details. But yes, we we're expanding to other cities, um, which ironically that are usually... Uh, what we consider, I hate to say second tier cities, but yeah. cities that aren't San Francisco and New York City. <laughs> right. And those will be partner organizations, franchisees. How are you thinking about those? Yes and yes. Uh, the, 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 par the partners are, we're, you know, we're trying to put together like, you know, what would you like to see the talent pipeline look like? So if we had a company X, let's just say, Salesforce and they said, Hey, this is the, this is the path to being a Salesforce administrator. And if they would want to partner, then that's what, you know, that'd be some of the things that we'd offer, but then also franchises in the sense that what we're uh, doing is not only the monthly programming, but having somebody at a started up location in these cities to kind of have these hubs. Um, although that is without a doubt, phase two or <laughs> phase one has been interesting getting off the ground. Um, we officially became a federally um, recognized 501c3 like three weeks ago. Mind you, we've been doing this for a year, but it's still really early phase. Are you also contemplating uh, like raising a venture fund? It's, you've done your homework. Uh, yeah, we have that. Um, it, right now, it's small. Uh, you know, uh, right now, we, we just made our first investment. Well, technically, I can't really call it a venture fund. It's more like 0% loans without taking right. equity. <laughs> right. So, yeah, we, we offer 0% loans to uh, high school entrepreneurs. Um, but we also realize that that's, what, 3%? 
Yeah. You know, like the 3% of our high school kids will be entrepreneurs. And honestly, that's, that's about right. We're also trying to set, look at the needs of the 97%. But yes, we, we, we have made one investment we're ready to make another, but we're talking about 5,000, not like 1 million. Um, but in some cases for a 17 year old, that's, that's what they need to, to get their first prototype off the ground or, or their first event or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're sure. wanting to grow that for sure. And that's one of the reasons why we wanted to be a, a nonprofit, by the way. I mean, it's, you know, we we take in money to give away money, which is pretty fun. Yeah, um, I want to back up, Don. It's it seems like your investigation over the last decade uh, has taught you some important things about what you think young people need to know and be able to do. Yeah, uh, as we think about, uh, I, I think I, the one thing you you and I agree on is that we're all entrepreneurs now. Yeah. Whether you start a business or you go into a big business, we're all entrepreneurs. We're all in sales and marketing. Um, so uh, how do you think about important skills that, that most young people need these days? Right. Well, I mean, I, two things jump off the top of my head. One is, yes, we, we're all and I'll give credit maybe like to, to like Seth Godin, having that linchpin mentality that even if you're an entrepreneur, you can be an entrepreneur. If you're looking for opportunities within your company, you're thinking like an entrepreneur. So that mindset is king right now. It just is. Um, I think that we're in a cultural deadlock where you have a lot of blame. You have a lot of, you can never get a whole ahead in this world because somebody's to blame, whether it's politics or whatever. And then we also have the exact opposite in this hustle and grind, you know, stuff where, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead and I do 21 hour days. That's also yeah. kind of toxic. Um, but, but I, I think having the entrepreneur mindset and having some balance is key. And then also to self-branding. You know, I, like I, I will look at any 16-year-old in the face right now and say, it is so much easier for you if you do something positive. Yeah. If, you're, if you're 46 years old and you're trying to start a company, you're every 46-year-old. But if you're 16 and you take to LinkedIn and your messaging is positive and your messaging is, I'm going to try and not putting on airs like, hi, I'm a 16-year-old badass and I'm going to be the next Mark Cuban. But, you know, you're legitimately trying to make the world better your digital brand is so easy the world wants to see you succeed so that is the other thing that i mean like really we work on with the foundation is that we want more of our students to be and i, and I hate to use the term like influencer because it, it gets into that whole youtube game and everything else but like once they know that they can document what they do in a positive light money comes easier uh, networks come easier help comes easier um that's just a huge component of what they're doing or what they should be doing. Meanwhile, in most classrooms, a lot of schools are telling kids to get off social media. And by the way, I understand why in some cases we're not talking about flexing your abs on Instagram. We're talking about you finding great mentors and, and doing awesome things on social media. So there is, I, I understand some of the pushback, but you know, if we could teach our kids to harness the power of social media instead right. of just staying off of it, we'd, we'd, really benefit from that well social media used positively is part of why it's never been easier to make a difference it's never been easier to contribute it's never been easier for a teen to have a global impact i i um i'm a big fan of greta thunberg who had at the age of 15 launched a global uh, campaign about climate change 
you know, that's a great example of a young person that just said, the world is not the way it should be. I have a chance to do something about it. And she used social media yep. in a in a super positive way, right? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So what, uh, so mindset is key. What else is important? You talk a lot about self-awareness and sort of agency for yourself and empathy for others. Those are super important as well, right? Right. Well, and and also just that transparency of your digital branding. You know, if, if when you put out there to the world that like, you know, you're talking about this girl, like, hey, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change. When you build up that audience, your audience is going to say, OK, now what? Right. So that accountability is also there. I've had, you know, this is this is the lottery ticket mentality. It is fun to talk about the difference you're going to make. Doing it is freaking hard, really hard. And that's also, though, when I kind of circle back and have that balance with my kids. Some of my students are so like. Why am I not rich yet? I'm like, because you're 17, yeah. right? And, and, and at the same time, like, I, this is one thing I really appreciate about the foundation. You know, the state helped us out a little bit in the sense that they don't think that it's going to produce the next Mark Cuban at age 17, but she might be the next Mark Cuban or Barbara Corcoran at age 25. You know, this, some of these things take time. But that mind shift change of, you know, some corporation's going to help me, the government's going to help me, you know, where's my bailout? It's not, that's not going to be a thing. And with fewer and fewer corporations hiring fewer and fewer people, and with the day, you know, the age of automation and, and outsourcing upon us, if you're not coming up with some of your own, if you're not indispensable, then you're marginal. And, and, and man, am I trying to convince that to parents right now? Doing things the way that everybody else did for the last 50 years is not a good strategy anymore. I, uh, speaking of Seth Godin, I, I, I love, um, love his podcast as well. Akimbo, um, he recently talked about being persistently generous for those that you serve. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love how Seth talks about find your small audience, you know, find what, um, you love the work you need to do a place where you can serve a group of people uniquely and to be persistently generous. Right. So it's um, it's seldom an overnight success, but it is about teaching yourself to understand what other people need and how you can be persistently generous for uh, what initially might be a small group of people. You know, Tom, I'm glad you mentioned that. I really am. I needed to hear that today um, because we started in a county um, just above Indianapolis and we've served their needs, but then the word got out and I feel this pressure now to expand rapidly. And it's been <laughs> difficult, <laughs> difficult in the sense that I'm also a full-time teacher. We have a team of three other people, but yeah, you're right. I, you know, sometimes working small scale and just building that out is, is uh, really important and being as helpful as you can for sure. Which, ironically enough, we're starting to find other networks and other people that are providing sometimes similar things. And that's the one thing I love about being a foundation. We're not in competition. Matter of fact, uh, oh, daggone it, uh, we just crossed paths and she even said, uh, help me out. And she said, she just talked to you. Um, and, and she's like, hey, we, we, need to, we need to help each other out because, you know, we don't necessarily have any proprietary blend on things. We just want to be able to point students and parents to great resources. And um, I think that's going to be a, a winning uh, formula. Oh, Sarah Henroholm. Yeah. Uh, wit. 
Yes. Thank you. Whatever it takes. Yes, whatever you. it takes. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's a great, great program trying to uh, also teach high school kids uh, entrepreneurship in, in after school and weekend programs. Yeah. So coming across those people has been wonderful. Yeah. So I, I guess in you teach entrepreneurial mindset, which is um, spotting opportunity and, and learning to deliver value. But you also teach the basics of entrepreneurship about how to start up an organization. So kids, yeah, you, you teach a kind of a mini MBA for entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, for those that are ready, I mean, truthfully, yeah. the class is called innovation and open source learning. And I'm going to borrow from Tina Selig here at Stanford, but you know, there's four quadrants. There's imagination, there's creativity, there's innovation, there's entrepreneurship. Any kid has an imagination for them to be creative as a level higher. If you're working on something that's creative that now becomes innovative and it's, and there's a demand for it, which normally innovative things there is, it should be entrepreneurial. So I try to shepherd them to, you know, past just the innovative. And yes, working with them in smaller groups of, okay, here's what you need uh, to, to do, um, which is, again, one of the things now we do, like, with the foundation is that all these kids had a pitch competition and some of them had an idea or a concept. Which is great. You know, they, they identified a need. They, you know, but now the hard part is, yeah, <laughs> setting up your LLC, making sure that you know what you're doing. Do you have, you know, legal representation if it is something good? Is it protectable? What is your protectable market? Uh, do you have, you know, do you need accounting already? Um, how are you going to scale? What is your mission? All those things. You've had the good fortune to raise uh, enough money to get started, right? Yeah. Uh, do you, do you have a long-term goal for this? Yeah. Uh, like some of the bigger goals again, is to try to start coming up with partners that also have, uh, at minimum internship opportunities. In essence, we're trying to showcase what a successful high school experience could be without just grade chasing and without just standardized test chasing. Um, we're hoping that we'll be able to find some corporate partners that they might be able to have a talent pool for high school kids right out of high school. Uh, and again, if you want to go the traditional route, that's awesome. We just want to have a little bit of balance for that. Um, and then, yeah, grow the, grow the venture fund uh, as well. Um, but create a new normal for students. And I'm hoping this doesn't sound too yeah. high in the sky, yeah. but one of the things that we enjoy is that our events and I, I pointed this out to Hunter. Last month, we had an event, and the guest of the night was a family homeless shelter. And he shared with them the problems, and they had 35 minutes to come up with a three-minute pitch for this, for this group. And I looked at him. I said, Hunter, tell me what you see. And there was like four or five different groups brainstorming and whiteboarding. And he says, well, I see them brainstorming and whiteboarding. I said, but what do you not see? They're not on their phones. They're engaging. They're going to make a pitch that's real. I think this is also a mental health play. I, I, I think that our kids are so unconnected with each other that having an opportunity to go to a cool co-working space, work on a problem that is real, it's not an essay, it's not a conceptual, it's not a theoretical, and then provide value makes you feel good. You being able to be a problem solver instead of going on Twitter and doing call-out culture, oh, the world's terrible, everybody's, okay, what are you doing about it? And I think yeah. that's the thing that long term we want to create. If you're not going to do this within your school, we're going to come to your city and we're going to we're going to take your kids out. We're going to, you know, feed them. By the way, we always feed them free. Our events always cost nothing. 
first 15, 20 minutes, you come there, you eat pizza, drinks, you meet kids from other schools. Oh, I'm a, I'm a front end developer. Oh, cool. Well, I do graphic design. Oh, we should talk to each other. We do those things. Then, then, then they start working with real people. You know, in a day and age, well, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, for crying out loud, no people. So if we have a good talent pool of students and then we have some really cool CEOs that get it, matchmaking. And that's also a really big thing we want to do. And, and so we want to do this more for, obviously, Indiana, uh, which is why we're expanding to these other cities. But, yeah, just like bringing people that would like to know these kids. In some ways, it's kind of an entrepreneurial boys and girls club. If I could right. make a really strange comparison, but yeah, and 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 get this also to, again to be the new normal when these kids are. By the way, our 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 um, return rate is very high. If we get a kid to come to one event, there's kind of this dude that was pretty cool, and and then they come back, and then these students have a different way of thinking. I know it's cliche, but they start thinking differently. They don't have this. Let's all get together and complain about politics they have this oh let's listen to this nonprofit and see what we can do to help authentically yeah that's awesome your new normal uh, to summarize would be the opportunity to work on problems that mattered yeah in diverse teams connected to the community the chance yeah. to work in a in a few real workplaces the opportunity should they stumble into uh, an impact idea to start an organization, a campaign or a business, right? Yes. Our, our mantra um, are we create seekers and peakers, not moaners and groaners. Opportunity That's seekers, awesome. opportunity seekers are always listening to people whine. And if people are whining, they okay, there's a solution there. And those are opportunity seekers. When they get together in groups of four or five, now you become a peaker and that these kids can start talking about trends, can start looking at things and then start collaborating and they can peek around the corner. They know what's coming next by actually listening and then start like getting other opportunity seekers together. And that is our most impactful thing. If you get around these four or five students, all of a sudden they're like, they, they're amazing because they compare notes. They compare trends. They, they, they talk about, you know, oh, did you see that last post from Gary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what he's talking about, what does that look like here in Indianapolis? Well, it looks like this. Oh, we should do something about it. Boom. Seekers and peakers, not moaners and groaners. I love that. Um, I had lunch with uh, Rick Miller, the president of Olin College last month, and he ended our lunch by saying, learning things that matter, learning in context, learning in teams, envisioning what has never been and doing what it takes to make it happen. Do that 20 times and you'll be employable forever. Yes. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, okay. 20 times. So I offer about 10 events a year. Yeah. So after two years, there that's, you go. That's the cycle. I think you and I agree. That's what um, a big chunk of secondary education ought to look like, right? Right. Well, not that we already haven't paid him lip service once, but let's do it again. Seth Godin, linchpin. Education can be boiled down to two things, solving interesting problems and leadership. Yeah. Boom. And, and that leadership of, okay, we need to get this done. Like that cool brainstorm sesh was cool, bro, but now we need to get it done. <laughs> that's That's been the yeah. consistently hard part. Because, man, some of my students have had wildly crazy awesome ideas that, you know, the getting it off the ground was the hard part. There's obviously some basic skills that fit in here. How, like, how and where do you see those fitting in? You learn the communication skills and the problem-solving skills in, in just-in-time sprints to solve the problem that you're most interested in? 
you know, like the communication side, yeah, some of that's just by repetition and being at the right place at the right time. But some of this is also like normally week three of our curriculum is, okay, here's how you document your journey and why you should have a LinkedIn channel. Here's why the algorithm is for you on LinkedIn video. Um, like, I, and, and, and if you're uncomfortable with it, you only have like 10 followers right now anyway, so just start doing it. So some of it's very deliberate because um, I'm serious. We really take the whole digital brand seriously. Um, I've had some pushback of like, oh, you're just trying to get them to be, you know, Instagram influencers. I'm like, no, no, we're not. But at the same time, that kid that developed a kick-ass app that no yeah. one knows about, yeah. no one knows about it. Right. <laughs> and we're all in sales. We are all in marketing. Right. Uh, so right. It's, right. So it sounds like your view of the world, your d- view of human development right now is this, um, is a mixture of skill sprints and problems that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the students like they don't feel that it's real here. And by here, I mean schools. Yeah. Like I I might one of my favorite statements to make is I did not go to college to learn. I went to college to go to get a degree because at age 47, just turned 47. um, It doesn't matter what I know. I have a degree. Well, that was hireable in 1995. Now, what do you know? It's going to be a skill based economy. If you have skills, great. And, 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 and like more and more employers are not going to care if you have a famous college by your name. If you can do, you're hired. If you can say that you do because you have a diploma, but you can't actually show for it, you're not. So that, that skills acquisition is where, yeah. where you know, we really need to start looking at. In some respects, I'm bummed out that you need to step out and do this stuff evenings, weekends, <laughs> and that we can't make this the centerpiece of uh, secondary and post-secondary. Uh, how soon can me, that happen? Let me give you a bit of hope. Um, cause I agree. It was, it was a gut punch because, uh, this is where I start coming off the rails. Um, because what I'm trying to push schools ain't buying because this might not increase your test score because this might not help your SAT score. Right. And that was the that was the hard part. However, when I've been going to these other towns and all of a sudden these students have been a winning some awards, b connecting with people that the rest of the town is jealous of and c they started becoming those problem solvers. All of a sudden, the superintendents go, hey, you know what? Maybe we should start doing this in our classrooms. It's the long term I'm looking for. Yep. So the immediate like and by the way, I got to give credit credit due. This was a stab to my heart from Gary Vaynerchuk. This is exactly what he told me two years ago. He's like, you can't wait around for schools to change. That's, that's BS. And so in some ways, this is the very long-term game of us doing events in your town, just not on school grounds. If the yep. school superintendent starts hearing about our kick-ass content, awesome. Now we can rock. But until then, I don't have the time. I've been doing this. Tom, we've, we've been on each other's yeah. radar for about six or seven years. How, yep. many, how many schools have I converted? A few. Yeah. But a drop in the bucket to what I should be. Yep. And listen, both of us are working around the edges. Um, and even <laughs> even in private schools where they'd have more theoretically have more room to innovate, uh, private schools often feel trapped by parents and university yep. and tradition. So but it does feel like we've turned a corner where there's more and more people talking about new profiles of a graduate. It does feel like we're moving to a skills-based economy where even leading companies say, I don't 
give a shit if you have a degree. I show me what you know. Show me what problems yep. you've solved. Absolutely. So it feels like it's changing. Uh, I think uh, the next decade is going to be really, really pivotal. Mm. I do too, and, and and that's just you know the the necessity part. It's the mother of all invention. I I think that some like all in college, obviously they're in kind of their own league, but like. I think in some cases, the, the universities are starting to change this out of fear and just the marketing conditions. And then this is the thing, though, that I'm deeply, deeply concerned about is the schools that are starting to be open to this is the vast minority. Vast minority. And so, yes, I agree. We've made some headway. But at the speed of which we're moving, uh, it needs, needs to be picked up a little bit. Yep. Well, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're both going to work on that. Um I want to say again uh, that I I really appreciate the 20 years that you've put in as a classroom teacher and all the innovation that you've brought to the public schools that you've served. And the Getting Smart team is super excited about um, Started Up Foundation. Uh, Where can people find out more about what you're doing? Sure. Um, start at up foundation.org. Um, we have a fun little podcast where we talk to some interesting people, started up podcasts. Um, and then you can, my favorite spot is LinkedIn. <laughs> you want to find me Don Wetrick or on Twitter at Don Wetrick as well. That's awesome. Don, uh, thanks again and good luck with the new foundation. We'll, uh, we'll check in next year and see how you're doing. I appreciate you, Tom. Thanks. Thanks to Don for sharing his entrepreneurial journey. We're excited to hear how things unfold at the Startup Ed Foundation. If you liked today's episode, please rate and review us so your friends can find us too. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Caroline signing off.